I want to pray. Let's just pray. Uh, ask God to teach us. Father, I'd like to thank you for your hand on our life. I thank you, God, for your hand on this church. We confess readily and are privileged to affirm this is your church. And Lord, what a blessing we have, as Jay shared, to meet together to worship. And Lord, we're not done worshiping. We know the way we respond to your word is worship. We know that he who has your commands and keeps them, he is the one who loves you. We've expressed our love in song, God, and now might we express it in receiving what you have for us and applying it to our lives. And Father, I'm not ignorant of the fact that um, this might have for some people been a very difficult week, maybe filled with great hardship or surprises. Um, I pray especially for them right now that you would minister to them um, hope, direction, guidance. Lord, for those who come off a week, Lord, of great victory and um, they've seen your hand move in remarkable ways, God, I just pray that you continue to turn their hearts towards you even as we go through this message. But God, no matter where we're at, we need your word. We need to hear you. You're the only, you're the, the only voice that makes sense in a world filled with so many voices. Give us ears to hear, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We began some weeks ago, if you're just coming here, uh, we began a series on a, a journey to an enduring joy of, of how do we journey through this life joyfully, especially when trials come, especially when the challenges come. As we talk, when life brings those surprises we didn't see coming, those hurdles, those obstacles, how do we handle them? And how do we not just survive, but, but grow through them to the point where we thrive? And God can use us in expanding ways. How do we do that? We've talked a lot about different things. And uh, if you're new here, you can go on the website, uh, elamission.org, and you can find the, the series of messages if you want to go there and catch up. Um, but we're going to kind of use this morning as kind of a way to put a bow on the series. We talked last week about resources for the journey, about how God has given us his word and the privilege of coming before him in prayer that really is that, that fuel for us as we go through life. It gives us the, his perspective. We, help to, we, we learn to see his purposes in it all. This morning I want to talk about companions for the journey. Because if we're going to journey well, and if we're going to finish well, if we're going to have a consistent walk in our journey, we're going to need some help. No matter how strong you may think you are, you're going to need help. And you're going to need it throughout your whole life. God knew that. Matter of fact, God early on in the Bible, matter of fact, in the first book, he said it's not good for man to be alone. He just laid it right out there. He had Adam in the garden, or Adam in the garden, and, and uh, he looked, he says, this isn't good for man to be alone. So he created a woman. And, and he even said, she'll be a helper to him. And then in the New Testament, husbands are called to 
love their wives sacrificially and to come alongside them in an understanding way, Peter says. The point is, God has created companions. We have all through the scriptures other exhortations about companions that God has raised up. Companions we need to journey well, companions we need to finish well. And so if we're going to journey well, we need to recognize that and confess that. But having said that, we need to, to first, this could have been a whole message in and of itself, but there needs to be an orientation we recognize in our journey because ultimately our journey's not about us. Our journey's not about our stuff. It's about Christ in us, the hope of glory. Our journey is about Jesus, that he might increase, that we might decrease, that whatever we would do, we would do it all for the glory of God, that we'd recognize we've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us, and that the life we now live and will live, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. As Paul said, simply to live as Christ. That's our journey. Ultimately, our journey is to give glory to God. It's to honor him. It's to live for the praise of his name. And to do that, we can't travel alone. When it comes to enduring and overcoming trials, the need is even more pronounced. I talked with a man whose family is hanging together by a thread. And he said to me, that him and his wife didn't know anyone well enough to go to for support or counsel. They didn't have anyone to journey well in their life. And don't. What a tragedy. There's a great need for us to give attention to this. So who are these companions we can call upon to journey well? Well, each of these following God-given relationships, and they are God-given, don't, don't mistake it, are gifts from God. And each take commitment Devotion, time, and probably the hardest of all, vulnerability. If relationships are to provide the support and encouragement needed to walk through life, we need those aspects in it. It's not just somebody we can, or, or somebody we can just say hi to and be Minnesota nice. Minnesota nice don't cut it when your life's falling apart. It never will. We need more than that. So who are these companions? One, your spouse. If you're married... God has given you an incredible gift. And this journey becomes increasingly more difficult without the oneness of a marriage relationship that we're called to pursue. As God said, I'll make a, a suitable helper for you to the man. I have someone I created, I designed, that you'd grow, that two would become one, that you could journey together. You'd be a team. You'd be unified. That together you'd live for Christ and continue to per pursue Christ together. Your spouse. I had it ingrained in my head since I was young by my dad. That it was a man's job to protect women. So, as I began to date and marry Cindy, I went into the mindset that I needed to protect Cindy from all possible threats. I kind of had a hockey goal, a hockey goalie mindset. Whatever threats, pressures, uh, perceived uh, things that would cause anxiety, I was to stop them or misdirect them. I couldn't let anything get to Cindy because after all, I was supposed to.
to protect her. This is no reflection on Cindy. Cindy's far stronger than I am. Um, but I had that mindset that, that I, I couldn't let her get hurt. I couldn't do anything. And if she did, it was my fault because I let the puck through, so to speak. But I look back now and how foolish it was. I didn't, if I'm being honest, I didn't in the moments realize it was foolish, but I look back and it took me way too long to draw Cindy in my inner world. And I lost out on so much support, needed support. I lost out on a great amount of encouragement Cindy could have um, provided if I would have let her in. The neat thing about Cindy is she provides a great balance for me. Um, she lightens things up um, when I need it. And uh, she brings so much to us as a team, as a couple. Um, even more, I think there's times I know God would have used her if I would have been open. Don't do what I did. I had to learn, and it took me a while, that she not only can handle what I didn't think or worry that she could, but there was where I have a news that God wanted her to grow, and I had no business getting in the way of that. I wasn't a very good husband and certainly wasn't a very good uh, encouragement in that way. Cindy's believed in me more than I do. And she has at times reminded me I was having impact and sought to put a damper on the doubts I have and still to this day does. She helps me laugh and overall lightens the weight of the burdens I feel I'm carrying. It appears to me God's chosen instrument to help you and I journey well is our spouse. God-given gift. If you're going to journey well if you're married, you need your spouse. She's not like an option. You need your spouse if you want to journey well. Your spouse who will help you, who will uh, come alongside you, who will encourage you, sometimes point out blind spots. We have them, or maybe it's just me will sometimes bring a laugh that you need or sometimes a little loving smack that you need. But we need our spouses. If I could offer any advice as to how to be a supporting spouse, if you're sitting there saying, how do I support my spouse? I'm not sure. Receive your spouse where they're at. Right where they're at. Nobody grows when we're cahooled or, 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 or browbeaten. Receive your spouse where they're at. We don't grow, nor do others, by rushing or pushing them. You see, your spouse can be a great conduit of growth, and God wants to use us in each other's lives, especially when the storms come. It's interesting in, in reading, doing a lot of reading on marriage over the years, that when couples face a tragedy, a large percentage of them don't make it. Through their marriage falls apart. Isn't that interesting? Because they don't know how to deal with it, they each kind of go inward and try to get through it themselves instead of leaning upon each other where the strength really comes from. Isn't it interesting how independent we can be? And God calls us to an interdependent relationship to journey well. This isn't a message on marriage, but it certainly could be. We need each other to hear each other's heart a shoulder to lean on, a hand to hold ours. We need a voice to tell us it's going to be okay, that we can make it. We need another one to partner with us, to walk through with purpose and passion, 
each spurring each other on. You and I need our spouses. It's just as simple as that. God's provided a gift out of his grace to you, your spouse. Now, you might be sitting here saying, you don't understand where we're at in our marriage, Matt. It's not really going too well. You know the beautiful thing about God's grace is it can start over today. That's how good his grace is. He gives a greater grace than whatever mess you might be in. And maybe you need help. That happens. Reach out. Come talk to me. We have other uh, avenues, and we can encourage you to take advantage to help you regain and grow in that oneness that will help both of you journey well. A second gift, second group relationships. I find in Colossians, I'd like to read a passage for you from Colossians chapter 4, verse 7, 8 through 18. I'm going to read this and you're going to go, what on earth? Um, but, but I'll explain. Paul writes to this church, he says, To all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant of the Lord, will bring you information. For I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Anisimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number, they will inform you about the whole situation here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings, as also does Barnabas, cousin Mark, and also Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision, and they have proved to be an encouragement to me. Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a deep concern for you and for all those who are in Laodicea and Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings, as also Demas. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea, also Nympha, and the church that is in her house. And when this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of Laodiceans, and you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may, have, may fulfill it. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be to you. This is like a snapshot, a photograph of Paul's friends. You ever take a photograph of your buddies, your group of people? You might be out in a snapshot, and there's your friend. Paul gives a snapshot of his friends. And that's the second relate groups of relationships God gives us a gift to journey well, friends. You might be surprised to know that the words friend, friendly, and friendship appear over 100 times in the Bible. Over 100 times. It's almost as if God wants us to know friends matter. They do. And what a gift when God gives us close friends. Now again, I, I want to reiterate, close friends. Because when I say friends, I mean it different from most, that mostly what people mean by friends. I mean something different. Someone who's vulnerable with, you can be in regular contact with, you share a deeper commitment to. That's a close friend. Henry Nouwen, out of, out of his uh, writing Solitude, Three Meditations on the Christian Life, said this, The friend who can be silent with us in a moment of despair or confusion, who can stay with us in an hour of grief and bereavement, who can tolerate not knowing, not healing, not curing, that's a friend who cares. What he's saying is there's companions we need 
who might not have the answer. And they know they don't need an answer. They know they just need to be there. That's a close friend. We need friends who go beyond how are you to who are you. Not how are things. How's your heart? How's your journey going? Tell me about it. I want to hear. I'm committed to you. This is no small thing. I have two dear friends, Jordan and John, who stuck with me. They've come to see me when I'm at Mayo, although they live across the state in Wisconsin. We still get together when we're able. We certainly keep in contact a lot, not as pastor per se, but they're just my really close friends. We seek to walk together in Christ's call in our life and hold each other accountable to it, to be good dads and husbands. And when you move to a new community, I don't know if you might have moved to Kokato, it's hard to kind of, especially a, a unique, wonderful community like Kokato and Dassel, where there's so many people related, for one. Um, and there's a lot of people who've been here a long time, and so a lot of people have built relationships they've had over years, and you kind of feel like you're trying to invade some of them to build friends. It's not easy to do. So if you're new to, or any community for that matter, and so, we're, but we're always in need of companions to journey well. Any investment you make in building close friendships is a great investment. Cindy and I are, continue, we're committed to building friendships and developing friendships, and we try hard to do that. I'm grateful I have a, uh, right now, spending time with a guy named Brett, just enjoying deepening our friendship and relationship because Brett wants the same thing I do. A relationship he can be vulnerable and grow and walk through his journey. And that's what we need. A mutual journey to live for Christ's glory. What common characteristic that I hope your friends share, I do, is a genuine and desirous of having more than a superficial relationship. I need close friends, and I sense they long for that also. I hope I can be that friend for them. I think of a recent time I went to visit some friends who were facing a challenging time. It was interesting, when I arrived there at their home, no words were spoken. I was met with teary eyes and a hug. I didn't need to say a thing. You see, it happens with close friends. And that's worth any investment you can make. Please make the effort to reach out. Now, it's true, some efforts may not bear fruit. Some people you may try might not want that same thing. Don't stop. The blessing that awaits is worth any efforts you make to build friendships. There might be friendships you have that are waiting for you to take another step. Maybe they haven't, and maybe for whatever reason they're hesitant. Maybe it just needs, you need to come to them and say, hey, let's go deeper than this. I need help in this journey. Let's pray together more. Let's meet together more. Let's hold each other accountable to Scripture. In prayer, we need friendships that are committed to each other, that say, I believe in you. Take a next step. It would be worth it. In Colossians 4, 7 through 18, Paul mentions, grouped together at the end of this letter, he mentions several people. Notice how different they are. These are friends who journeyed with him. These are friends who were anchored in Christ with him. They were from different backgrounds, all sharing common experiences of grace. In this group, we got Luke, a doctor, Epaphras, a pastor, Anisimus, a fugitive. Nympha was just some regular woman from the community. And the list goes on. Different friendships anchored in Christ. 
My heart, oh, my heart gets stirred when I hear about and see people laughing, crying, and journeying together, praying together, testifying the blessing friends have had in helping them journey through this life. But here's the key, and I say this to not only us who are in the prime of our life, like myself, and all of us, but to young people, and you need to listen to what I'm about to tell you very carefully, especially if you're in a middle school teen years. If your desire on your journey is to grow, to become more like Jesus, to glorify God, your close friends need to encourage you in that journey. Don't think for a moment you can build a stable of relationships with people who don't share that desire and think you're going to be encouraged in that. It won't happen. It doesn't mean we don't have relationships with unsaved people. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that at all. But your close friends, they need to be ones who will encourage you in the journey. Because it's not an easy journey. And you need people to tell you, hey, keep on the path. Don't get discouraged. Remember, this isn't about you. It's about Jesus. Don't let the pressure get to you. I'm here to walk with you. We need that. And young people, I know you need that. It might be hard to find in the school you go to, but they're there. And it's worth any effort you make to build those friendships. There was many people in my life who I've observed throughout the years who gleaned great wisdom, great encouragement from building friendships. And if you don't build them, there's a lot at stake. And same thing with your wife. When you don't build that relationship, you don't build a relationship with friends, there's a lot at stake. You see, there was a man one time who had everything, everything we could want. We would say the newest iPhone, all the newest gadgets, had the nice car. I mean, he had money put away and then some. He had everything, bright future. Matter of fact, this guy was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Highly respected like nobody else. And here's what he wrote in his journal. These words. You find it in the book of Ecclesiastes. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless. A miserable business. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if you lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. His name's Solomon. He was a king. But what's really interesting is you read over Solomon's life, there's a couple things that emerge of what I've already talked about. One, he did not have a close marriage relationship. As a matter of fact, he had all kinds of wives. I mean, the number would be staggering if I gave it to you. But he didn't have a spouse who, could, who would come alongside him and encourage him towards God. The second thing is, as wise as this man was, he confessed he had no friends. 
He even wondered why he was depriving himself of the enjoyment of friends. So take it from one who knew two are better than one. And the sad, sad part about this man's life, as great as he was, as brilliant as he was, is as much money as he had, as much as the world looked at him and said, this guy has got it together as they would today. He didn't, and he did not finish well at all. He's a sad picture of a life that eroded. And two primary reasons. Obviously, the first one is he turned his back on God, but he didn't have a marriage relationship that encouraged him in his journey. He did not have friends, and he did not finish well. If you want to finish well, God's given you companions, your spouse or your spouse-to-be. And close friends, avail yourself of them. But there's a third group of relationships. I find just one of many references to these relationships in Romans chapter 12. I want to read verse 4 through 9. Paul writes to this church. He's writing to a church. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. If it's prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, in his teaching. Or he who exhorts, in his exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. And then he says in verse 10, be devoted to one another and brotherly love. The third group of relationships, gift of relationships, is the body of Christ. As we read through the book of Acts, which is a story of the birth of the church, all throughout Acts, we see the significance of the role of the church in people's lives. The significance the body played. Each member of the body to each other. 1 Corinthians 12, read it. I can't say to the ear, I don't need you, because we need each other. It's a fact. We need each other. And we need each other not to get, primarily to give. You see, when everybody looks to give, the body's built up. But I know we live in a consumer mindset. Some will come to church. Some won't come to church because they're not getting. I'm not getting what I want, so I'm going to leave. But it seems to me those who are committed to a church don't come with that. They come to give. They look for people to bless. They, and, and they use their spiritual gifts to build up. If their gift is teaching, they look to teach. They use their gift. If it's to give, they look to give. They're using their gift not for them, but for the good of the body. Because you and I need the body if we're going to journey well. I look back over... Some of the storms in our life, which I've shared through this series a little bit. When Benjamin was born and, and uh, we found out that he, he needed surgery and he got taken by a helicopter to Children's Hospital, um, I had to call a church chairman and say, listen, I have to leave now. I don't know when I'll be back. He said, got it. Go for it. Hung up. It was really that short. And he did. I had complete freedom. No one ever pressured me to come back. And so I was down in Milwaukee almost a month. Um, did what I could do from down there, but I felt no pressure. As a matter of fact, this church in Stanley, Wisconsin, was remarkable 
People mowed our lawn. They sent cards. We had bombarded with cards day after day filled with scripture and encouragement, phone calls. The church uh, a video chatted with us, or not video, but audibly let us to talk to the, to the congregation. And, and that was just a really cool moment. And I was reminded of the beauty of the body. And here again at Elam, we've gone through these cancer and some of the, the not-so-fun stuff. You as a church have been a blessing. That's just in my life. There's many of you sitting here right now who could share the same thing. What a blessing the body's been to you. Matter of fact, one of the highlights is, is I was laying uh, at Mayo. Uh, maybe you remember as Jay took a picture on his phone. And, and you didn't know what it was like on my end when I got it. I teared up. It meant so much to see your faces. And some were waving and uh, smiling. And that was, that was just so great. I didn't feel alone. And uh, in this journey, at times you feel alone and you just need reminders. You're not. You look around. We got each other. That's a gift. A gift God's given us at Elam. It's where you and I, as the children of God, turn. We turn to one another. What a blessing that is. As Jay shared, we were at a, a worship conference with several of us. A really, really great conference. And, and it would have been... It would have been okay, to, it would have been good to go alone. It would, it, it would have. Oh, but was it rich to go together? It was so neat to be together with the body. It was neat to worship with them and, and kind of know where some of them are at and see kind of that worship and, and that fellowship kind of wash some of the stuff away. That's just good. It's just good to be together as a body. Sunday mornings are so important as we gather together to worship. We get a chance to encourage each other, to look around and know we're not alone in the journey, and sometimes that's all it is. Sometimes I come, and maybe you're like me, where it's hard to sing. <laughs> Songs are hard and coming. But you stop and listen. And we minister to each other, don't we? We bless each other when we worship together. Even when we don't feel like it, it's almost like others' worship kind of come and carries you to the throne with you. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful dynamic, and it's a gift God's given us. Now, if we think about these companions and we think about the journey as a whole, there's a lot of things that we've talked about, and a lot of things that will always need application because we don't know what tomorrow holds and we don't know what next year holds. But these things we know to be true because they're in God's Word. God's provided these things. And God has a call on your life, men and women, young and old. And in your life and journey of seeking to fulfill that call, part of it will include heart-wrenching surprises and trials. There's going to be times you wrestle in prayer and ask a lot of questions. There's going to be pressures that seem insurmountable, stresses that seem relentless, physical, chronic illnesses that just aren't getting better. But be assured God still has a call in your life. And it's not just to survive, but to endure with joy so we can live for the glory of his name. And maybe you're here saying, you know what, I, right now I, I haven't journeyed well at all. And as you sit here, like my life, all I look back and see a, a list of mistakes. Man, am I so grateful for God's grace. Because once again, whether it be with your marriage or just your personal journey, God says, 
My grace is enough to give you a new start. You can rise. You can rise up out of the ashes, as the scripture says. You can arise, shine, for God's light has come. God can give you a new start so that from this moment on you can journey well. And that you'll be able to finish well. And that's all we can do from this moment forward is to finish well. However long that is. Whatever the next season of your life holds. And so church, let's journey well. Let's finish well. Let's apply all these things God is talking to us about. I want to pray for you. Let's pray. Lord, I look out and see faces of people I love. And some new friends I'm just delighted to see. God, I want so much for each of them to experience your loving touch and encouragement this morning. Lord, I long for so much for them to look at their spouse who may be sitting next to them. To consider the close friends you've brought into their life. To consider your people, God's people, and recognize what a gift these relationships are. What a necessity they are. And so God, I I pray together we would rise up and say thank you, God. Thank you for caring about us in our journey, no matter how hard it may be. And thank you for giving us these relationships. Use us in each of our relationships to bless other people, to be a strength to them, to be an encouragement to them. Lord, help us to have a mindset to give and to build up each other. And give us the humility to receive it from others. Because God, ultimately our journey is not about us, it's about you. And so Lord, whatever you need to do in our life to orient our journey around you and giving you glory, please, please allow it. So that in each of our lives, our lives would proclaim that you are Lord. Our hearts would worship with a purity, with an authenticity. So God, I commend each one here to your grace, to your purposes. And Holy Spirit, give us all that we need. Help us draw upon all the resources you've given us so we may journey towards that, towards hearing you say, well done good and faithful servant. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.